Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. I hope I wasn't too loud. <laughs> I was kind of like perked and, 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 and perked up and cheery there. Uh, Alright, so we are reading in First Peter chapter 4. Well, we're reading First Peter, I'm sorry. Last time we read chapter 3 and we're ready to read chapter 4. Now at the end of chapter 3, Peter is comparing Noah's family passing through the flood, going through the flood, to our baptism, okay? And here's what he's saying. This is the last uh, two verses of chapter 3. Corresponding to that, baptism, and corresponding to that, he means the flood. Baptism now saves you, not by removing dirt from the body, but by an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels and authorities and powers made subservient to him. So, he's saying now baptism saves us. We're appealing to God for a good conscience, meaning we're repenting and asking for our sins to be washed away. <clears throat> and this is when, you know, we... Um, I've heard it said this way, okay, um, this is not necessarily my words, but this is, I think, a good way to look at it. That's when we come into contact with the blood of Christ in a spiritual way, and we're cleansed of our sins. Now then later we repent and, and we're cleansed again, um, and we don't go through baptism, but that's that's because we're doing that as an ongoing part of our Christian life, and we have free access to that, and we're you know, we're continually being washed clean of that, of our sins, by the, the blood of the Lord, really. It's a continual process, just like um, when we sin and fall short, that's a continual process. And God knows that we continually <laughs> sin and fall short, even though, even though we're trying. So, just to be aware of that. Alright, so, chapter 4. Now, we're ready for chapter 4 of 1 Peter. I am reading in the Amplified Bible. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh and died for us, arm yourselves like warriors with the same purpose, being willing to suffer for doing what is right and pleasing God. Because whoever has suffered in the flesh, being like-minded with Christ, is done with intentional sin, having stopped pleasing the world, so that he can no longer spend the rest of his natural life living for human appetites and desires, but lives for the will and purpose of God. So here he's saying for us to have that mindset of following Christ and, you know, suffering in the flesh and understanding that we are not, we're not wanting to intentionally sin. We are <coughs> done with intentional sin and in that we want to spend the rest of our life, you know, we're not trying to spend it on human desires and lusts and things, you know, uh, but we're trying to live for the will and the purpose of God. That doesn't mean we can't have some fun little things, you know, you can, you can have some little hobbies or little things, or you can get out and enjoy nature and enjoy what God has given us and just look at that and be really in awe of, of what he's done. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of little things. There's a lot. So many things are good and, and they're fine for us to do. 
But we don't want to be pursuing the wrong desires and the, the lust of the flesh and those different things. We don't want to be greedy and gluttonous and lustful. You know, we don't want to be that way. <clears throat> All right. So continuing on, verse 3, For the time already passed is more than enough for what the unsaved Gentiles like to do. Living unrestrained as you have done in a course of shameless sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and wanton, wanton idolatries. In connection with all this, they, the unbelievers, are resentful and surprised that you do not think like them, value their values, and run hand in hand with them into the same excesses of dissipation and immoral freedom. And they criticize and abuse and ridicule you and make fun of your values. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge and pass sentence on the living and the dead. For this is why the good news of salvation was preached in their lifetimes, even to those who are dead. That though they were judged in the flesh as men are, they may live in the spirit according to the will and purpose of God. Now here, this is this is not surprising. This does happen. It happens to a lot of us when we become Christians, and we're like, "Well, we're moving on. We're not going to have anything to do with the old lifestyle and all these, you know, like they say here, drunkenness and carousing and wanton idolatries, and you know, we don't want to have anything to do with all that anymore." A lot of times, the old friends that you had, the old folks, it's not to say that they're they're mean or evil, but they don't understand. If they've not had a similar change of heart and mind, they don't understand. And they may make fun of you. They may be overly critical. Now, some people, even though they don't have that change of heart and change of mind, they'll be, and they may do that in a little friendly way, but, but not actually. But some people will break ties with you. Some people will not want to have anything to do with you so it runs a gamut of responses there and uh, sometimes within your own family people will um, be overly offended at you for various different reasons I mean so um, because they don't agree or believe the way you believe and now you're changing and you're not being the same old you you used to be you're being more Christ-like and maybe they don't like that so and there's various different reasons people may not like that. Some people may truly be against those types of things. But I think for the most part, I think for the most part, when we're living wrong and doing wrong and we know we are and we see other people trying to straighten up and do right, we feel a little twang of maybe guilt and, and maybe that we should be doing better and maybe that makes us angry at that person that they remind us of that. But that happens sometimes I mean that's you know that can happen and I'm not saying that's the way everybody is by any means but I'm just trying to you know sort through all these different things that we go through in our lives and different feelings that we have and, and I know I've had different feelings and sometimes um, so, you know emotions we have emotions for good reasons but emotions can be used or you know manipulated for bad reasons they can uh, so you know we have to guard against our emotions and be careful and kind of judge our emotions and make sure that we're not on the wrong side of things but here he's just warning you that sometimes people 
are going to turn against you because you've changed. You're not running hand in hand with them into destruction anymore. You know, your morals, and notice he mentions the moral values, your values, your morals are changing and they're going to change and you're going to be different. So, I mean, that will make a difference and some people will break from you, but others won't. Others will, others will be more caring and some may change with you so it's worth you know it's worth not giving up don't let that get to you you know I know it can be difficult but uh, yeah it, it's worthwhile it's very worthwhile to, to grow and follow the Lord is always worthwhile so verse 7 the end and culmination of all things is near Therefore, be sound-minded and self-controlled for the purpose of prayer, staying balanced and focused on the things of God, so that your communication will be clear, reasonable, specific, and pleasing to Him. Above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace, faithfully using the diverse varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. Now here, uh, this is a lot to cover, but just backing up, I mean, remember that, you know, having love for one another, caring for each other, that covers a multitude of sins, you know. Um, and what he means is, when we are doing acts of kindness and watching out for one another and caring for one another, it, it um, you know, it's counted to us as good things, and it makes up for a lot of the little uh, bad things we may do, and we all, you know, we all have to admit, as John says, that uh, we all have sin, you know, and we all do sin. And if we, you know, say we don't, then we're lying. So uh, we do. So, but doing the good things and following God's will is more important even than those, those little things. It covers those little things. Now, we're not talking about going and intentionally doing stuff that we know is super wrong either. I mean, you know. Um, but nonetheless, you know, it covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. It's a different way of looking at and doing things. And it can, it can uh, prevent us from sinning when we're walking in love and doing the right thing for others. That will prevent us from sinning. Um, it can make up for sins, perhaps, that we've committed and that can be a good thing and especially like if you help someone that maybe you have sinned against and you're, 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 if you feel bad for that and then later you get an opportunity to maybe do something good for them something you don't have to do but you want to do and you do that I mean you can read this and take this a couple you know a few different ways and all of them I think are true in that love does cover or make up for a lot of sins. It does make up for a lot of things. He says to be hospitable to one another, you know, um, and this is, you know, supporting one another and taking care of one another and, you know, offering 
what you have to one another you know sharing and uh, uh, let's see there's a note here that is interesting and they're talking about during times of persecution of the early church mutual support was often critical for the survival of fellow believers so that would be that would be an important thing too they were reading this sentence I wouldn't have thought of that but you know being hospitable to one another without complaint you know um, he's talking about us serving one another with whatever gifts we have you know each of us have different gifts or talents in this life and you know we should try to help and and serve one another help one another there's nothing wrong with that all right so I'm gonna move on no, there's nothing wrong with that there's it's not that there's nothing wrong with that it is it is um, it is a good thing that we should be doing I, I said that wrong like it like it's extremely passive but he's actually encouraging us to help and serve one another with you know with the talents we have with the things that we can do with the gifts we have so it's an encouragement to do that and it's it's a good thing to do that so I said that incorrectly as if it didn't matter it does matter it's something we should be doing actively so I apologize for misspeaking uh, my mind was moving on to the next to the next thing um, so verse 11 whoever speaks to the congregation is to do so as one who speaks the oracles utterances the very words of God Whoever serves the congregation is to do so as one who serves by the strength which God abundantly supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified, honored, and magnified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That sounds like the end of the chapter, but it is not. But you'll notice here, whoever speaks to the congregation when... When someone is speaking from God's word and teaching from God's word, you know, they should take that very seriously and they should, you know, it doesn't mean you can't have, um, you know, it's not that you can't take joy in it or even have a little humor in it, you know, to help people understand, but it's just we need to realize that we're supposed to be speaking the very words of God. That's the idea. We're supposed to speak as the oracles of God. And then whoever serves the congregation in whatever way we serve and help do things, we should do so as one who serves by the strength which God abundantly supplies. And we're supposed to do that to God, for God, you know, and praise Him and thank Him for allowing us to do that, for helping us to do that for others. So that He is always getting the glory. All right. <clears throat> In verse 12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which is taking place to test you, that is, to test the quality of your faith, as though something strange or unusual were happening to you. But in so far as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, keep on rejoicing, so that when His glory, filled with His radiance and splendor, is revealed, you may rejoice with great joy. If you are insulted and reviled for bearing the name of Christ, you are blessed, happy with life, joy, and comfort in God's salvation, regardless of your circumstances. Because the Spirit of glory and of God is resting on you and indwelling you, he whom they curse, you glorify. So, 
here he's saying that if we share in Christ's sufferings in this life if people are reviling us putting us down you know being mean to us then we should be happy we should be rejoicing that we are able to share in Christ's sufferings knowing that we're, we're going to be with Jesus knowing that we're going to be with God and don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal don't be surprised in this life we're going to have tests and trials we're going to have things this life is a learning sandbox type of life we are learning as we go through this life we're learning things and we're going to have tests and trials that try our faith that try our conviction that try our patience believe me I know I need to work on my patience but you know that's just the way it is we have these tests and these trials that we go through these things that we must go through to, that test our faith they help strengthen us and make us better and help uh, bring us closer to God so we're going to have these tests and trials whatever they may be it could be all kinds of difficulties whether it be family difficulties emotional mental uh, stresses uh, with with family and friends you know all kinds of drama or if it could be uh, you know it may be financial it may be you know maybe a number of different things that test you um, and try you and we just have to you know we have to stick with God we have to stand and, and walk through those with the Lord. The Lord will guide us through all of that. But it's all a teaching process. It's kind of like, if you think about it, like Peter jumped out of the boat and went to the Lord. And it was a very good test and trial for him. And he did really well until he took his eyes off the Lord. And then he began to sink. But notice that Jesus, he knew who to call to. He called to Jesus. Jesus grabs him. Well, then him and Jesus walked back to the boat. He still, Peter still walked on the water with the Lord. So he still walked out a little ways. I don't know how far exactly. And then, you know, until he got afraid. And then he walked in with the Lord and got back in the boat. So, you know, we may poke a little fun at that, but just see how see how uh, much he believed in the Lord see how his faith was really I mean yes he did get scared what wouldn't any of us necessarily we have times in our lives where we get scared and maybe we start to sink but we reach out we call out to the Lord and he's there for us and he helps us So that's part of our trials and testing, and it's not anything unusual that's happening. It's, it happens to all of us. It happens to believers everywhere. And it's nothing unusual or abnormal that we go through these tests and trials. It is a normal part of life. It's a part of living and learning and drawing closer to the Lord. That's just, it, it just is. That's just a normal part of life. All right, so we're going to continue on. Make sure that none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or any sort of criminal in response to persecution or as a troublesome meddler interfering in the affairs of others. Meaning, if you suffer for doing wrong, you know, don't, don't suffer for doing the wrong things. You know, suffer for doing the right things. 
or as a troublesome meddler interfering in the affairs of others. But if anyone suffers ill treatment as a Christian because of his belief, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God because he is considered worthy to suffer in this name. So, you know, make sure that we don't suffer because we're doing the wrong things. You know, because we're a criminal or doing something wrong or meddling in other people's affairs. If, if you're going to suffer, at least suffer for the right reasons, for being a Christian, for following the Lord, for following God. And then, and you will not have anything to be ashamed of in that. All right. So, verse 17, For it is the time destined for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not respect or believe or obey the gospel of God? And if it is difficult for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the godless and the sinner? Therefore, those who are ill-treated and suffer in accordance with the will of God must continue to do right and commit their souls for safekeeping to the faithful Creator. In other words, we must continue to do what is right and trust in God. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world is doing, what everybody else does, even other Christians, if they're doing something that is wrong. It doesn't matter what others do. We have to do what is right and follow the Lord because that is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be committed to the Lord and to God. And and it's difficult, he says here. And if, if it is difficult for the righteous to be saved, well, then what about the godless and the sinner? Well, it's even harder for them. I would say it's impossible if they're godless and, and they don't believe. When they say sinner here, I take that as someone who's very much an unbelieving person. You can be or claim to be, like there's people that do claim to be believers. They claim to be Catholics or they claim to be Christians or whatever, but they never go to church. They don't. They act like they don't believe. And when you act like you don't believe, you really don't believe. That's the problem. I, I've I've had periods of time in my life where I think I was similar. Even though I would have said that I believed and I was a Christian, I didn't act like it. So how sincere was that belief? You know, I I have to say, not not very. Not very. <clears throat> so, you know, I, I know that sounds that may sound harsh or mean, but you know, belief, when you truly believe, when you truly have faith, you will act a upon it you will act it out so and here you know it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God okay so we want to make sure that we are counted among those who suffer for the will of God and that we are committing ourselves to God the faithful creator and not that we're suffering for doing wrong or for doing other things, okay? So our actions and our <clears throat> behavior should always be correct and in the will of God. That's where we're that's where we're going in this. We want to share in if we're going to suffer, we should suffer for doing right and not suffer for doing wrong, okay? Because suffering for doing wrong doesn't get you anything. 
But if you suffer for doing right, then, you know, you're following the Lord, you're blessed of God, and, it, you know, you will, you will end up with the Lord in heaven, and that's fine. That's what you want. Alright, so that is the end of chapter 4. Now, I think when we go to chapter 5, we're going to find that Peter continues a little bit about this. Um, he's going to pick up from here and talk to some different groups of people, but it's with this kind of idea, some of these ideas that he's already spoke about in mind. So, I'll try to mention that at the beginning of the next chapter. Like I said, that is 1 Peter chapter 4. I want to thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And remember, God loves you.